I'd love to welcome everyone to this week's Citizens Climate University. It's a weekly webinar program of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics relating to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight's topic is an introduction to the anti-racism and allyship resource guide we have available for you on CCL Community. CCL strives to provide a welcoming space for people from all backgrounds and cultures. So we're gonna join Karina Ramirez tonight, CCL's Diversity and Inclusion Director, for an introduction to that guide. This resource guide has been written by staff and volunteers to provide resources for those driven to dive more deeply into understanding the importance of anti-racism work including highlighting portions of our ongoing work regarding diversity and inclusion in CCL and why it is absolutely integral to our work as climate advocates. So what I'll do quickly is just explore our three learning goals and review our agenda, and then I'll pass it to Karina to introduce herself. If we've done our job well tonight, you're gonna to walk away with the following three learning goals. We'll start with some disclaimers and review the community agreements that we're establishing. We'll provide an overview to the guide and discussion more fully to two of those sections. And then we'll make sure to also do a breakout discussion with some follow-up questions. And that is precisely our agenda as well. So again, thank you all so much for being here. And the floor is yours, Karina. Thanks so much, Brett. Good evening, everybody, and to everyone who's watching this recording uh, later. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Um, as Brett mentioned, I am Zero Diversity and Inclusion Director. I've been part of the CCL family for four years, uh, but I started as a volunteer in 2017. So it is because of volunteers that I have the role that I now serve. Um, I am connecting today from West Palm Beach, Florida, the ancestral lands of the Taino, Giaga, Tequesta, and Seminole people. My pronouns are she, her, ella. I also want to acknowledge that it is National Mental Awareness Month as well as Asian Pacific and Islander Heritage Month. So before we begin, a disclaimer. The purpose of this training is to gain more understanding and awareness about issues that many individuals feel discomfort discussing in a social setting. Um, I will introduce you to the guide the inclusion team created last year. The guide um, is not changing CCL policies. It is also not changing CCL legislative priorities. And it is meant to inform and encourage deeper personal follow-up of your own choosing at your given time. So in my space, we like to begin any conversation with community agreements. So these are the ones that I prepared and I will go one by one. I would like us to be present and stay curious, be open to learning about a new concept. There will be no shaming, blaming or scolding yourself or someone else. We will listen for understanding and will ask not to interrupt others. And we will speak for our own experiences. And I would like to recommend that we use I statements or from my perspective. And also the concept of take space and may space, right? When we get to the discussion part to make sure that uh, encourage people who normally won't speak to speak up. And for those that speak too much to con be considerate of others and allow others to, to make their comments. So if you agree with these community agreements, please type yes in the chat. And also, if you would like to add to these community agreements, I am open to any suggestions. I see yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you very much. Let's continue. Okay. This is my invitation to you to learn a little bit more about issues that impact all of us. I wanted to give you a little bit of background. This guide uh, started around the fall of 2020. 
It was a difficult year for all of us that year. Um, and these are the folks that I have to thank for uh, helping me create it. Shelly, Sue, Lydia, and Jeff, uh, they all came to my inclusion team um, as a way to want to help. They saw things in their chapters and in interaction with other volunteers. And what we decided at the time was we're gonna create a guide based on the things that are happening now. And you will see what those topics that we selected based on what was happening between 2019, 2020, and a portion of 2021, a topic that we felt were important. So I would like to thank all of them for helping me create this guide. So the guide itself is structured in five parts. It begins with why does anti-racism matter for this work? Um, what is implicit bias and microaggressions? At the time, we were dealing with a lot of, of microaggressions and that's why we wanted to focus on that a little bit. Uh, we also discussed the importance of being an ally and people wanted to know, well, what does diversity and inclusion work look like at CCL? So we spent time sharing that. And the number one question that we get always is, how do we create an inclusive chapter? And I can give you the answer to that. It is very much dependent on where you are across the country. What is your volunteer makeup? Uh, what is your community like? There's a lot of things that go into that. So for this session, we're gonna focus on two of them. Uh, topic one, and topic three. So I started this, this slide uh, program uh, thinking of what is it that we think about when we think of climate work and how it affects people. And I typed in the chat, uh, climate change and people of color. And what you see here are, there's a, there's a total of six, but these were the first three images that came up in my Google search. These are the stories that people are reading when it comes to climate change and people of color. There is a general understanding that climate change cannot be solved without participation of many communities as possible, including people of color. The next ones also focus on those stories. Uh, again, climate action and inaction impacts everybody. So why are we discussing race and that particular topic at CCL. Well, again, climate change impacts disproportionately black, indigenous, and people of color, not just from a global perspective, but also within the US. We find established policies, and by we, I mean the folks that are interested in diversity inclusion in this organization, including the folks in my inclusion team. We find established policies have, have been structurally racist, and they impact and have perpetuated racist thinking. And we feel it's important to implement climate solutions that work for everyone. I also want to invite you to look into Clara Frank's diversity in the climate movement. That particular presentation is actually one of the reasons why we have an entire department focused on diversity and inclusion uh, to help our volunteers gain some understanding as well as our staff. And I wanted to make a note that this particular guide concentrates on race and the goal is to create the intellectual and emotional space to honestly consider that various people experience life in the U.S. differently and to accept the perspective from BIPOC communities and their lived experiences. So in the guide, you're gonna see maybe one type of racism uh, addressed. So I am going to address four. These are the most common ones. These are the ones that we feel we need to understand as a community in order to be an informed ally. 
The first one is internalized racism. This is individual beliefs and biases about race and racism informed by our lived experiences and culture. And you can understand this one by thinking that it lies between individuals. It is also known as internalized oppression. It's also known as self-hate. Uh, this is uh, quite uh, a difficult thing for us to think about as a people of color to be thinking that, yeah, we, we have been taught different ideas and that we grow up thinking that, you know, that our communities are not the best, that our experiences are something that we constantly have to uh, explain to people over and over again. That's how you can think of internalized racism. And here are some examples. Uh, prejudice towards others of a different race. The negative beliefs about oneself by people of color. Internalized privilege, the belief about superiority or entitlement by white people. I came across an article um, that got presented at the National Academy of Medicine, and it basically talks about how internalized racism affects people. And they said internalized racism is possibly related to psychological distress, depressive symptoms, substance abuse, and chronic physical health problems. Imagine how that is for a person of color every day. The second one is interpersonal racism. This is the bias that occurs when individuals interact with others and their personal racial beliefs affect their public interactions. Think of it as racism that occurs between individuals. Here are some examples. And I am not giving you the definitions of these because I want you to go and spend some time researching them. So. I'm gonna tell you what are some of these examples. Tokenism, the concept of a white savior complex, cultural appropriation, racial slurs, racial jokes, hate crimes. Institutionalized racism, this refers to the unfair policies and discriminatory practices of particular institutions, schools, workplaces, etc., that routinely produce racially inequitable outcomes for people of color and advantages for white people. Think of it as it occurs between individuals and systems of power. You can think of institutional racism as systemic racism, which is the one that we highlighted in our guide, right? Um, here are some examples. Blocking people of color from assessing good services, et cetera, compared to other communities. The concept of redlining, a discriminatory practice of denying services, typically financial, to residents of certain areas based on their race and ethnicity. Low numbers of students of color in gifted programs. These types of, this particular type of racism is written into law, like stop and frisk, that you should definitely go and learn more about if you haven't heard about it yet. But these, all of these are ideas and concepts that are accepted society-wide. So it's very interesting to, to see them at play and when you can recognize them, um, it's almost, it's almost a disbelief that you start thinking, oh, I, I didn't know that concept was this. And then you start to think a little more and sort of analyzing what are the things that we have created institutionalized in our country and how does it affect people and how does it impact their lives and how is it not good for every single person in this society. Structural racism also has a similar concept. This involves the cumulative and compounding effects of an array of societal factors, including the history, culture, 
ideology and interactions of institutions and policies that systemically privilege white people and disadvantage people of color. This is the racial bias among institutions and across society. And here are some examples. Slavery. We still see the effects of slavery all of these decades and years later. Preferential treatment at the border. We're seeing that. What is happening with the Central Americans and the Ukrainians coming over the border? Uh, another example is black Americans having far less access to local public parks. There was a system that was created there to ensure that black Americans and other people of color don't have access to that. It's very um, illuminating to see the history and the structure and the system that was in place in order to keep certain people from accessing, accessing different types of services and programs. Okay, so I'm gonna jump into allyship and I know there's a lot, but stay with me. So this is the, the portion of the guide where I want you to start thinking about how we can become better allies. And in the next slide, I'll tell you about this concept that I uh, love to reference. Um, and I have to thank Princella Talley for thinking of this when she was working uh, with us in this. So there's an idea of an ally and an accomplice. And Colleen Clemens explains this to the letter. Absolutely fantastic. An ally will mostly engage in activism by standing with an individual or group in a marginalized community. An accomplice will focus more on dismantling the structures that oppress that individual or group and such work will be directed by the stakeholders in the marginalized group. Simply, an ally work focuses on individuals and an accomplice work focuses on the structure of the decision-making agency. That's a lot of things to consider if you want to be that ally, that accomplice that wants to help people um, break the structures that we have in place. Okay, so coming up, we have two videos but we're only, for the purpose of this presentation, we're only gonna show you one, okay? I will give you a little disclaimer and a warning. The video does contain fall language and it will generate emotions. Um, in our guide, we talk about privilege, being a responsible ally and moving away from the white savior complex, this concept that white people can go and, and, and save everyone everywhere. Uh, the term white privilege on its own uh, brings many emotions for people, as you will see in this video. There's a certain um, um, sort of um, silent consciousness about or what it means to be American that I sense coming from uh, white folks that, that I'd like to talk about. Before I do that, I'd like to say one more thing that's hard about talking about racism, and that is that uh, you know, people of color are spilling their guts and uh, doing education uh, to white people. Let me explain to you how you've got this wrong. Let me explain to you how you've got that wrong. Let me explain, and then we get cross-examined, and it's like, well, maybe your problem is blah, 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 blah. And it's always, you know, racism gets looked at as a person of color's problem, and it's not. You know, we're like on the receiving end of the problem, but we are not the problem. You know, I, I, I walk in a world where, uh, or, where black people, where Latinos, where Asians, where Arabs, all these different people are, 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 are experienced as problem people. 
and that, well, we're going to deal with the, 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 the person of color problem when, in fact, uh, racism is essentially a white problem. And that for you to understand what racism is about, you're going to be so uncomfortable. You're going to be so different from who you see yourself to be now that, uh, it, you know, there's just no way for you to get it from where you're sitting. And I'm not saying that you could never get it. I mean that, uh, that you need to uh, step outside of your skin and step outside of what seems really comfortable and familiar to you and launch out into some real, for you, unknown territory. And you haven't gone out there like you haven't, uh, you know, gotten in proximity to uh, black people, as you say, because you don't have to. And that's part of what it means to be American to me is to, ha uh, to have all these things that you can do if you want to, that you don't have to do if you don't want, uh, if you don't want to do. And there's a way in which American and white and human become synonyms. That why can't we just treat each other as uh, human beings? To me, when I hear it from a white person, it means why can't we all just pretend to be white people? I'll pretend you're a white person, and then you can pretend to be white. Why don't you eat what I eat? Why don't you drink what I drink? Why don't you think like Save I think? Why don't you feel like I feel? Damn it, I'm so sick and damn tired of hearing about that. I'm sick of that. That's what it means to be human being to me. That's what it means to be white. That's what it means to be American. Why don't you come the hell over here? That's what I hear every damn day. And you know that I can't come over there. You know that this skin and that this hair and that this way that I talk and that I think and I feel will never, ever, Get included because I'm unpalatable to this damn nation. I'm unpalatable. You cannot swallow me. You cannot taste me. You cannot feel me because you don't want to. You think that you can survive without me, but you can't, man. You think, and you think that, hey, it'll all be fine when we just treat each other like human beings. And what that says to me is don't be yourself. Be like me. Keep me comfortable. Connect where I'm ready to connect. Come out to my place. Or maybe I'll come down and get some artifacts from your place. Uh-uh. When you say that your ethnicity is American, there is no American ethnicity. You had to throw away your ethnicity to become American. That's what it means. That's what it means. You give up who you are to become American. And you can pretend that it's okay because you're white. When we give up who we are to become American, we know that we're dying from it. You're dying from it too, but you don't know it necessarily. Get ethnic, you know? You know, I'm not gonna trust you until you're as willing to be changed and affected by my experience and transformed by my experience as I am every day by yours. I attended a school for the first time that was predominantly white and I had white teachers. And I walked into the classroom and there were three reading groups in my fifth grade classroom and I was promptly put into the lowest reading group. And I gathered very quickly that that was because uh, I'm of African and American descent. Then they put me into the intermediate reading group, and then they put me into the highest reading group. And, you know, I just boiled and churned through the whole process because uh, my reading level was higher than anything they had in the classroom. I'm always dealing with you. I'm always dealing with you. You don't deal with him. You don't deal with me. Maybe you had an opportunity to, to deal with some Latino people. Oh, we always deal with you, baby. Always. Every day.
we'll discuss that video in in a bit um the next video so if you don't know me by now i have not attended any of my sessions i like to talk about difficult issues through comedy so amber ruffin created a video called the abc's of white privilege and that video is my gift to you <laughs> so you will get um, a list of every video and every resource that you have shared that i have shared to this presentation um, and i want you to see that at your own time it's a little bit um it has a good way of explaining this concept through through comedy so while we're still talking about white privilege and and in this essence white supremacy um, we came across a video by Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, she's an author, poet, spoken word artist, speaker, humanitarian, and social justice activist. The founder of The Body is Not an Apology, um, The Power of Radical Self-Love is a book. Um, and in 30 minutes that you will be able to see in your own time, uh, in an Instagram video, she explains um, concept of how she felt about the 2020 election and about the candidates that were running for president and how she felt about white supremacy. And she'd mentioned something that sort of stood with me, which was, how are you, and you meaning the white person, how are you helping me solve the problem you cause? Again, comes back to the video of the other gentleman that said, the whole concept of racism is created by the white person. She continued to ask, why aren't I helping you solve the problem you cause? And why am I not the ally and you the actor? Which is a very interesting way to think about this very difficult thing that we all have uh, such a hard time discussing. Again, that video and link is shared in the notes as well as in the slides that you can watch in your own time. Now, what I was thinking about allyship and we do touch about it in, in the guide. This will be an additional thing. I came across the Anti-Oppression Network and they made some suggestions on what are some things that you should be responsible for if you wanna go this route. And they sort of said, here are the responsibilities and here are the roles that you should consider looking into as you become an ally or work on uh, becoming an ally in the future. And for this one, I'm only gonna focus on the responsibilities, right? Um, and the concept of what they put together said, we are not acting out of guilt, right? If you're a responsible ally, but rather out of responsibility. And here, what they said, we actively acknowledge our privilege and power and openly discuss them. We recognize that as recipients of privilege, we will always be capable of perpetuating systems of oppression from which we, which, which our privilege came. We listen more and speak less. We hold back on our ideas, opinions, and ideologies, and resist the urge to save the people we seek to work with as. With adequate resources and support, they will figure out their own solutions that meet their needs. We do our work with integrity and direct communication. We take guidance and direction from the people we seek to work with, not the other way around, and we keep our word. We do not expect to be educated by others. We continuously do our own research on the oppressions experienced by the people we seek to work with, including 
her story, history, current news, and what realities created by systems of oppression look, feel, smell, taste, and sound like. We build our capacity to receive criticism, to be honest and accountable with our mistakes, and recognize that being called out for making a mistake is a gift, that it is an honor of trust to receive a chance to be a better person, to learn, to grow, and to do things differently. We embrace the emotions that come out of the process of allyship, understanding that we will feel uncomfortable, challenged, and even hurt. Our needs are secondary to the people we seek to work with. We are responsible for our self-care and recognize that part of our privilege of our identity is that we have a choice about whether or not to resist oppression. We do not expect the people we seek to work with to provide emotional support, and we're grateful if they do. We do not expect awards or special recognition for confronting issues that people have to live with every day and redirect attention to the groups we are supporting and the issues they face when we do. So a lot of information has been shared in these minutes, and I want to give us an opportunity to process. So I figured we could have a discussion here among ourselves, all of us. Um, I have asked Brett to stop the recording so that we can speak at ease. Okay, so we came out of a brief discussion. Uh, for those watching the video later, I hope you had some time to, um, to think about the issues that were presented to you. So I want to thank you for spending this time with me. I want to tell you that inclusion work is a journey and it requires that we all become active participants in that journey. I have said this many times and I'll continue to say it over and over again. We are a product of our experiences and they are things we need to unlearn. And by that, I mean everyone. I want to invite you to write about this experience and about what you will do after it. So that is my invitation to you to pick something that you want to do. If you wish to share it with me, as you know, I am always available. You can send me an email. Uh, my email will be in the presentation as well as in uh, the notes. Well, before we get to Q&A, Karina, I just want to speak on behalf of all of us here tonight and the entire CCL community to thank you so much for your leadership and walking us through these essential topics to really understand and incorporate in our climate advocacy. We are so grateful for all of the resources that you've provided and the recommended readings and videos to take as a next step. For those listening, uh, feel free to contact Karina here, her contact information, as well as our community inclusion forum, where you are invited to share your experiences and questions on CCL community after tonight. Um, and then also our anti-racism and allyship resource guide which again, we've reviewed two of the five topics tonight with this training is provided right here. So as always, we hope that you found tonight's training useful and empowering. We look forward to hearing about how you are using it in your own local work. And we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Stay safe, everyone. And thank you again for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, 
national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.